0: Let's turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 39. Genesis, chapter 39. If you remember, it's been two weeks ago we were looking at Joseph. Joseph and his coat of many colors. Now, I think we came away from the initial exposure to Joseph as he had some brothers that took all the fun out of a dysfunctional family. <laughs> they were something. And this is where we left off. Uh, Joseph was heading down to Egypt. And this kind of gives us a summary of what happened next. It's in this little short passage of Scripture that we have a very grown-up lesson in a children's Bible story. And if you have a book of children's Bible stories, Joseph in his coat of many colors is going to be there. There's a reason these stories are there. There's a lesson here. Sooner or later, we'll all need it. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, Bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was, from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these stories. We thank you they're not just stories. These things really happened. And Father, these are written so that we may learn from them. We ask that we would learn the lessons well today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now as we mentioned, as we introduced uh, Joseph, one-fourth of the book of Genesis is devoted to Joseph and what happened to Joseph and the things that Joseph did. It is revealed to us very obviously if you read through here from now to the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph is a man of remarkable resilience. We're going to focus on that word today, resilience. Well, what does resilience mean? The word resilience means the ability to withstand hardship and adversity with inner strength, peace, and a sense of purpose. Well, what's adversity? We all know what hardship is. What's adversity? Adversity is worse than hardship. When I looked up adversity and tried to find some words that mean about the same as adversity, here's the words that popped up. Disaster. Catastrophe. Now, in our lives, we regularly face hardship. But from time to time, we face catastrophe. We face disaster. We face some bad things, some emergencies we didn't plan on, we certainly didn't ask for. Resilience is the ability to withstand these things with inner strength, with peace, and a sense of purpose. Now, let's look at Joseph's adversity. You may think we don't have much in common with him, but look at his adversity. First of all, he had some family problems. You may say, "Well, that that's pretty much uh, an understatement." Well, Before it all came to the point where the thing happened out there where they were tending sheep and they took his coat away from him, it says that his brothers hated him so much they wouldn't speak peaceably to him. If they spoke at all, they didn't speak peaceably to him. So we understand troubles were brewing a long time ago and it all started when people stopped communicating with each other. Ever had family problems like that? Ever had family members like that? You don't know where these, you certainly didn't ask for that. That's hardship. He faced family issues. He was a victim of violence. It says they stripped him of his coat. They didn't say, uh, pardon me, Joseph, I would like to try that jacket on you have there. And eat it. No, no, they said they forcibly took the coat off of him and they threw him in a dry well. i say that's disaster. Anytime you're a victim of violence, it's it's a whole different psychological impact. He was not only a victim of violence, but violence at the hands of his brothers. He was turned over to strangers. The Ishmaelites came by. They sold their brother into slavery. He was carried down to Egypt. I looked at a map from where they were in Shechem down to Egypt. It was uh, 300 miles from home, Not a short trip, not an easy trip, 300 miles. I'm not really sure how he traveled. Most of the trade caravans that traded in spices and so forth, like these Ishmaelites, they traveled on camels. I've been on a camel once, and you know what I didn't say? I've got to get one of His camel is a gnarly animal, but how do you keep a slave secure where you don't have to worry about him escaping? Ties hands. Three hundred miles. He was bound, no doubt. Three hundred miles. Weeks. Somehow he either walked or rode on some kind of beast. There's a lot to be thinking about. He was betrayed, mistreated, homesick. Now, there's no sick like homesick. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been a long way from home? There's no sick like homesick. But now notice this. He had lost everything. He lost his coat. Now, this coat was important, not because it was a nice coat, but his daddy gave it to him. He lost his coat. He lost his freedom. He lost everything. I would say he had hardship. I would say he had adversity. I would say we could probably say catastrophe and disaster when it came to what Joseph was facing. Now let's look at Joseph's response. It says this in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man man. Look at his response. He was a successful man. We don't see him as bitter. We don't see him as angry. We don't see him as sullen all the time. We don't see him consumed with self-pity. We don't see him blaming others and just giving up on life because everybody else had dealt him a raw deal and just no use in trying. He didn't blame others for his circumstances. We don't see him looking around saying that everyone owed him something because he had faced so much loss and mistreatment in life. We don't see that. We see that he didn't just endure his hardship and adversity, but he excelled. It says he was a successful man. Now the world will look at him and say, man, what a failure. He was a successful man. He did not endure. He excelled. How did he do this? He was resilient. Now, what's the source of his resilience? Because this is all, it's all immaterial if we can't get to the source of his resilience and experience it for ourselves. Well, look in verse two. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And the master saw the Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph. Now there is a reason for his resilience. He may have been away from his father's house. He may have been away from his brothers. He may have been away from his hometown. He may have lost everything, separated from everything he ever owned. But God was with him. He was not alone down there in Egypt. And the Lord's with us too. The same Lord that was with Joseph is with us too. David said in Psalms 139, where can I go from your presence? If I ascend into the heights, you're there. If I ascend to the deep, you're there. If I go to the far corners of the earth, you're there. I just can't get away from you. So that God is with us. But there's another crucial point that makes the difference. God's with all of us, but not everybody's resilient. What's the difference? What made the difference? Joseph was with God. That's the difference. It wasn't that God stood with Joseph. Joseph Stood with God. There's the source of his religion How do we know this? Well, in the next few verses, we see how Joseph withstood temptation. He's in the house of Potiphar. Potiphar is a court official. Potiphar has to go out of town every now and then on trips. And the Bible says, and Potiphar's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. Now you remember way back when we looked at the book of Genesis where Eve looked at the tree and I said this, you watch where you look because you'll steer where you stare. She stared at Joseph and she liked Joseph and one day Potiphar was out of town and she said, I want you to be my boyfriend. Husband's out of town. While he's away, come on and you can be my boyfriend. We can have some fun. We can have us a fling here. Look at Joseph's response in verse 8 and 9. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has in my hand. There is no one greater in his house than I, nor has he kept anything from me but you because you are his wife. Look at the next statement. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Look at that one word, God. After everything he'd been through, he's in a land where God's principles are all but ignored. Did you know at that time, Egypt had a roster of a thousand false gods. Just take your pick. The one God of the universe was totally ignored. He was in a culture where they didn't acknowledge God. They did not acknowledge God. They denied God. They had all these other things that they worshipped. He was facing pressure every day, it says. She pressured him every day he had a past of a lot of disadvantages he had been done wrong he could have had a lot of resentment there he could have been plotting revenge there could have been a lot of things where he was thinking about his brothers he was thinking about the ishmaelites he was thinking about everybody else that had done him wrong but no his focus was not on the circumstances his focus was on god his focus was not on pleasure his focus was on god That's the source of his resilience, not self-pity, not others, not pleasure, not the relaxed morals of an Egyptian culture, but his focus was on God. And watch this, his focus was on God's principles for living. Let me tell you, we face a lot of distractions when it comes to principles for living. Our culture is not too much different from the Egyptian culture. In our culture today, in entertainment and other circles, God is ignored. God is denied. God is is refused. Even the existence of God is argued against. We face a culture that gives us all these distractions. Sin is wrapped up in nice little packages. Joseph excelled. Because he was focused on God, and that's revealed in his response in Potiphar's house. See, Joseph realized God's math and not the math of Potiphar's wife. What do you mean by that? Well, you remember, back in the book of Genesis, and endorsed by Jesus Christ, the principles for human relationships, one man, one woman married. Now, any other variation, we can start negative by name, but let me just say this. This is simple. One man, one woman, married. Anything else is out of God's plan. Now, he could do the math. Look, lady, you're married. You got one man. I'm one man too many. He could do the math. And, of course, he could also look at it this way. Even if you weren't married... I'm not married and for us to do this you're one lady too many because that doesn't compute with God's math one man, one woman, married that's God's plan anything else is out of God's plan he knew that, it was simple also he knew God's vocabulary you see man's vocabulary, Potiphar's wife probably said let's have a fling, let's have an affair And he said, oh no, you've got the vocabulary wrong, lady. This is adultery. That's what God calls it. God calls it wrong. And so we understand he focused on God. And his God-directed focus enabled him to be resilient. And he faced his hardship, the betrayal of his brothers, a long way from home, being mistreated. He lost his freedom. He had no rights. He lost all of it. There's nothing that we could say that he didn't lose. But man, he was resilient. He had strength, inner peace, and a sense of purpose because he focused on God. Now let me tell you, there are folks in this world that's got it all, and they don't have strength and a sense of purpose and inner peace. Don't have it. Where do we find this? We find it with a God-directed Focus. And when we direct our focus on God and not our circumstances, our disadvantages, the way others have treated us, the temptations that are here, or the culture that says ignore God, when we start looking at God, we find the inner strength we need to deal with adversity, to deal with hardship. Now, what's the lessons here? Here's the lessons In the life of Joseph, number one, what's right is always right. What's wrong is always wrong, no matter where we are, the culture around us, who we're with, or the present circumstances. What's right in God's eyes is always right, period, no matter what culture says, no matter who we're with. No matter what pressures we face, what's right is right in God's eyes. What's wrong is wrong. That has not changed in thousands of years, and it will never change. Man will never change God's opinion of right and wrong. We can fight against it. We can ignore it. We can deny it. But God is always right. And his standards for living always right. Secondly, a God-directed focus brings us an awareness of His presence in our life. Now, what did we say before? God's always with us. We may look at this passage of Scripture and say, Man, what a stroke of luck. What a stroke of luck. God was with Joseph. I don't know how I can get that lucky. I know how I can get that lucky and everything go good for me. Well, God was with Joseph and God's with us. The thing is... Joseph knew about the presence of God because he was directed his focus on God. Now, as long as we look in other places, no, we're not going to find God. I can't see God in my life. Well, as long as we're looking at hardship, as long as we're looking at, at, at unfair treatment and injustices, as long as we're looking at what we don't have what we can't do as long as we're looking at other places for pleasure and as long as we're looking at other definitions of what's right or wrong we will not see God he saw God and he realized the presence of God in his life because he focused on God he was aware of his presence now the presence of God does give us strength and peace and purpose in hardship and in the good times and let me tell you sometimes that's our biggest test is when things are going well. And then the third thing, the starting point. Where's the starting point of realizing that God's with us? Oh, you'll find it in the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. As the angel was talking to Joseph, he said, in this will be a fulfillment of the prophecy by Isaiah saying, a virgin shall conceive and be with child and will call his name Emmanuel, being translated God with us. You see, the scripture always comes back to Jesus Christ. And the Lord was with Joseph. And God is with us through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ left heaven to come down to be with us. It's God with us. Jesus Christ crossed the bridge that sin had broken, and all of the distance between us and God had severed our relationship with him. But Jesus Christ came and dwelt on earth, died on the cross, risen again, God with us, so we can enjoy and experience God's presence. So the starting point is this, Jesus Christ, do you know him? Have you ever had a deliberate discussion with God about the sin in our life, which we all have, and the salvation he offers that we all need? Have you ever done that? Maybe you hear and say, well, I've never looked at this this way. But I've got some hardship. And I don't want to just endure, I want to excel. How do we do that? Focus on God, a God-directed focus. We focus on God focus on God. Then we find that inner strength. You know the song of the words of the old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth will go strangely dim. The light is wonder and grace. As we stand and sing what number? Number 121. <coughs>